Wow, we have some delay here tonight. <laughs> it's never, that was it's, like I don't know why you expect it to, to be anything different. No, I know. Week. Well, you usually usually we have a producer calling down, out the clap slate, so you don't recognize quite how bad the sync is. I but guess. with me calling out the clap slate, it was like a full second. But I also I realize who I don't want to be in a band with here because they can't be on time. I feel like that's pretty clear. Yeah. Well, okay. you know, when you're playing remotely with uh, variable amounts yeah. of delay. No band should ever do that. There's no wonder. <laughs> in fact, I have a friend who, who um, has conducted orchestras in Europe from New York. And the amount of money that they have to pay to have zero delay is a oh, lot. Oh, man. It's a lot of money. No, no. Um, even right, in the days of guys. ISDN, it was like seven frames. Mm, ISDN. ISDN. Yes. All right. So let's do this. Uh, Jeffy, do that thing. Hey. It's Jeffy's jukebox. No, that's wrong. Um, we're okay. entering Brian's... No. God. <laughs> You'd think you I'd one know job. how to do yeah. this. I have. You I think have by like, now. Okay, let me try it again. Okay. On tonight's dad band land, here's some of what we're going to be talking about. Yeah. Zero notes. Hit it. is in the house and it is hot ladies and gentlemen it is very hot this is the podcast that talks about all the music you love or should love from the point of view of a neighborhood cover band which does exist i am your host adam felber i am i am the co-host kevin burke who is enjoying his full central air and not dying in this this has been a lifesaver anyone who is worried about my life 
It has been saved. There's been a cliffhanger storyline here. I'm always worried we're gonna about get- your life. Thanks. Hey, we're going to introduce you right now then because you're worried. Hey, the worried guy over there, that's our chief technology officer and the guy who houses Jeffy's jukebox. It's Jeffy Branion. Say hey. hi. Hey, everyone. And Kevin, I really am concerned about you. I, I just want you to be okay. Thanks, Jeffy. Jeffy, this what's in your jukebox tonight? Moment. Oh, sorry. I don't want tender moments. Tell me uh, what's in your jukebox. Moment. Tell me more about how you feel about me, Jeffy. In the Leave a tender tonight, moment alone. In the jukebox tonight, it's songs with the same name. Yeah! Right. It's, a, it's a suggestion from one of our listeners. Our listeners are pouring suggestions in our ears through our social media and through dadbandland at gmail.com, and that makes me happy. You know what else makes me happy? That Kevin Burke was exposed to something he'd never seen before. Not COVID, something else, an <laughs> album. <laughs> to hear more about that, let's talk to... The guy who owns that creepy, <laughs> creepy house of wax, band manager Brian Frank. What's happening in your house of wax tonight? Well, uh, I'm I'm not worried about Kevin at all. What? Uh, Brian. I'm not worried. You're all I set, we were dude. Friends. You're fine. Oh, thanks. You picked, yeah. you picked oh, the oh, right nice. year. You picked yeah. the right year. <laughs> you really timed this perfectly. You know what? I yeah, it's time for my house to move up to 1985 technology. Is what it was. Yes. <laughs> Uh, on tonight's House of Wax, we will be talking about Steely Dan's sixth album. It's pronounced Asia, but it's spelled Asia. <laughs> A-J-A. Oh, my God. I can't. Here, uh, to give everybody a preview of what's going to happen before I throw it over to Kevin to talk about our band. Um, what is gonna we're doing Asia this week, which is like, just one of the best known albums of all time. And it, it's it's kind of a milestone. <laughs> Kevin Burke had oh never heard it before. Never, never heard, heard it before. Never even the seen the cool, cover before. Never had seen the cover. The cool thing about that is next week, Brian, what are we doing on the House of Wax next week? I can preview it and say Black, yeah. Sal- Black Sabbath's creatively titled fourth album, volume four. And I had never heard it nor seen the cover. That and what? I haven't listened wow. to it yet. What? Really? Yeah. I have, is, yeah. We're too. breaking new ground. Wait, we are growing. <laughs> hey, as wait, people Je- on this Jeffy show. too. Jeffy too. Wow. It. Oh, this I is was yeah. never wow. really into the Sabbath. Well, I understand. So that you, you know live what? On the Earth, <laughs> listeners, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> I don't want to compare sales statistics because that'll make Kevin cry. Um, <laughs> listeners, Rock listeners, charts. I want you all to just kind of think of these next two shows as a uh, as a triptych minus one, a as duet, a mirror as it were. Right. No, I mean, I, yes. I, I, I find that's kind of why we, we. I was very excited about them because we're going to a place I've I've never been, and next week I'm going to guide you into a new land with Brian's help, of course, that I'm so okay. familiar with and you've never seen. So this is awesome. This is awesome. It's fantastic. And after our listeners have heard both, we can decide which one is set in the mirror universe. Yes. Ooh. Which one's here? Which one is there? That's right. Obviously, everything converged when Trump got elected. But before then, we all lived in different universes. Hey, Kevin, what's <laughs> yeah. going on this week with our band? Uh, other well, than just, just, just... Just a giant ball sweat of a heat dome over L.A. It has been insane. I have to say, my time in the Valley here, this is the hottest that it's ever been. Hopefully this isn't the hottest that, hopefully this isn't the coolest it's going to be for the rest of my life at this time. That's obviously a possibility. But We're it's so hot. suffering right now. It's so hot that we just, we simply, for a couple of reasons, we couldn't rehearse this week. One is you are still rehearsing garages, no matter what level of, 
bad band success you have, you still have to rehearse in a garage. Like, like a Even teenager. when you're successful as us, like a dad even, band even so you're... successful, it has its own podcast. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> or a podcast so successful it has its own dad band. That, that's right. Mm. And we still have to rehearse in a garage. And let me tell you something about garages. You don't air condition them, even in L.A., so they're still goddamn hot. Um, you don't. But I got, to talk, I, I got a story about this. <laughs> I got a story about this week, which is fantastic, because because dog walking, which is one of my major activities of leaving the house, because I'm a writer, I don't leave the house ever, has been very early or very late. And one week, one day, I was walking the dog, and maybe you guys knew this, but I ran into a neighbor who's a very successful musician. I won't I won't um, name him for privacy purposes, but he's he's you know he's been working for decades, and we were just chatting about the neighborhood was it Lisa? and stuff. No, 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 it was not Lisa Loeb. It was not somebody who's been was on the it show. Bono from U two. It was Bono from U2. Should this person be on our show? Um, no, because they're not in the realm of bands that we do. But anyhow, through this person... Is it Lawrence Welk? Uh, he's not it's a, Lawrence Welk. It's Lawrence Welk. <laughs> anyhow, I found out. I found out on this walk a lot about music, you know, about, about old music and this neighborhood and all this stuff. And then I learned that Joseph Williams, who's the son of composer John Williams, who is the writer of Lopty Neck... The song I played last week as a song that I, uh, you know, for language I didn't know but can sing along. I didn't know this. You and maybe, Jeffy. Maybe you guys, maybe you guys knew this, but he's been the he's been the singer of Toto since 1986. John Williams' what? son has been the singer of Toto since 1986, and since Toto was now, a big, Toto four was 1982 prior, right? and because I didn't know much about Toto until we did that that album. I didn't know this. All I'm saying is it, the, the, the musical harmony of our world all came together and blew my mind that the maker of Lopty Neck has been not just singing for Toto recently, for almost 40 years in Toto. That's insane to it, me. Does he in live local? Because we kind of need him on the show. Who, who, Joseph Williams? I don't believe he does, yeah. but I could find out. I mean, he, he's been singing for Toto for, for, for almost 40 years. That's uh, Yeah, and the Toto is that. absolutely I mean, San Fernando Valley based. The original That's singer fantastic. can't even say that. Yeah, yeah. So anyhow, um, I just went. I I came came home from that walk thinking like this is delightful. The world you of just music broke is me purely a little delightful, bit, Kevin. Yeah, <laughs> you broke me I'm a little, little bit broken too. It's fantastic. <laughs> that 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 he. I'm broken with delight. That's that's amazing. I feel like we need to get um, Joseph Williams on the show. We probably need John Williams on the show. Yeah, we should. We, we should work definitely on that. need your your friend the polka master on the show. Max Rebo, That's... perhaps playing the keys. Lapdinick. Uh, yeah, I, I just want to know that sometimes this exciting art that we do of playing music all fits together. <laughs> all the planets were in alignment. When I said it, every planet yeah. was in the proper space. It was a delightful one. Oh yeah. That's yeah. that's all I gotta. Sh that's really we didn't we didn't rehearse. All I gotta share is my dog walk. We didn't rehearse because the garages are hot right now. Um, the last rehearsal we had, we were all pouring sweat by the end. We we sounded really good. Um, I gotta, but I then, gotta tell you something too. I wore jeans to that rehearsal because I have this sick belief that I cannot play guitar wearing shorts. It's too, it's too unprofessional of me. I can't. If I wear shorts, I can't play properly. Short, can't you do shorts. Angus Young thing. What's that? Your short shorts. Yeah, I mean short what, shorts. What Brian? No, ahead, short, Brian. shorts are are legally not permitted on stage except as only worn by Angus Young. That's it. If Thank you're you. behind the That's drums, fair. it's Thank okay. You. If you're in front of the drums, no shorts are allowed. 
that it's yeah, illegal. Yeah, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Scott Scott Ian. I'm gonna give a slight pass to that. But other than that, other than that, I'm with you. Thank you. And I was like, I'm not so, wearing shorts. I won't be taking. Well, we it weren't seriously. on stage. We were in a 150. You were wearing garage. shorts. Don't think I didn't notice you were wearing shorts, Adam. And I and of I judged you. Of course I was you. wearing shorts. I judged I'm not you. A fucking idiot. Whoa. whoa. <laughs> no, I'm, Everything's I'm okay. saying I was an idiot because I was sweating to death. But my my desire to maintain that integrity was stronger than my desire to be cool. It was a great rehearsal. It was a 95 degree day that day. And what I want to point out is that every high since then here in Southern California has been higher than that day. And that was like 15 days ago. (laughs) No, I know. And I used to think like once you get to 95, 96, you can't tell the difference. Let me tell you, you can tell the fucking difference. When it's 113 degrees, you're like, this is too hot. This is too many degrees. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Jeffy so, actually lives in a hotter part of the valley than we do. You live in yeah. the hottest part of the valley, I understand, too. I, How I has do. that been? I do. It's, um, you know, we we left the zip code the previous weekend to avoid some of this heat. <laughs> left the state, actually. Where did you go to get cooler? Uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> it was, and it was 30 degrees cooler. You know what, this is... This has become the kind of like RoboCop two podcast fear that I, I hated. Like we're laughing about how we're all melting to yeah. death, you know? Like oh, it's hilarious. It's 113 degrees. Yeah. Oh, you have to laugh at the death yeah. of our planet. Oh what else my goodness! The radiation. <laughs> it's delightful. We're almost out of water. My yeah. lawn is great. Totally hey, around. you know what you want to do when you run out of water? You want to go to that weird, glowing, futuristic. Roadhouse outside of Roswell, New Mexico. That's right. You do. Because this person was just in New Mexico. We're going to head to Jeffy's Jukebox. All right. Thank you, Adam. I'm just going to start out and say that uh, our topic today is from, again, one of our listeners, Lenny Salzberg. And he writes, idea for Jeffy's Jukebox. Adam, Kevin, Brian, and Jeffy. It's Thursday night, and I'm eagerly awaiting the next edition of DBL to drop into my feed. I look forward to listening to y'all every week. First, I'd like to apologize to Brian. Brian, I know you like everything, not Kevin. I'm sorry for the slip in my (laughs) last email. Now, we love you. Yeah, I remember that segment. Apology accepted. What do you think of discussing the best pairs of songs with the same name? My favorite pair is Story of My Life by Social Distortion and by One Direction. Two completely different songs linked by nothing but the title. I actually love both songs. I am like Kevin. I love everything. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and I do. I'm known for loving everything. Uh, My least favorite pair and the exception that proves the rule that I love everything. Bad Blood by Neil Sedaka and Taylor Swift. Keep up the great work. I can't wait to hear your dad band as the house band on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Lenny Salzberg. Thanks, Lenny. Welcome to Jeffy's Jukebox. (laughs) I believe Lenny must be a captain of industry because that entire email sounds like it was dictated to his secretary 
whilst he was chomping a cigar and looking out his window. You, you mean it, it was from the Memo! Thoughts for... <laughs> Here are my thoughts for Jeffy's jukebox. Well, it was sent on paper, too, which is weird that it came to you in the mail. Yeah. That's so, so bizarre. It was sent by Carrier Pigeon. What a, what a great suggestion. We have a lot of great suggestions for Jeffy's Jukebox. We do. Jeffy, now that you have uh, entered us into Jeffy's Jukebox, what are your thoughts about songs that you love that have the same title? Well, uh, you know, I didn't stick strictly to pairs. Uh, my, my first selection, three artists, you know, and I picked songs anyway. My songs, they each... Uh, have like they represent a time in my life and that's very specific and hearing these songs is like jumping around in time throw us one all right here we go yeah this was one of mine yeah, it is. Well, this is Jump by you, the Pointer Sisters. Yeah, you All know right, what else you got? You know what's coming next. I do. I get up and nothing gets me down. You got it tough. I've seen the toughest around. 100%. Yeah. And there's one more, isn't there, Jeffy? <laughs> there's one more. We might have all had those on our list, uh, and it's fantastic. It's the and now fruit. here we go. Uh, no, here, it's the low hanging fruit. But you got to go for list, that first. Certainly on my list too, obviously, because the because Van Halen is always there. But as a kid, Pointer Sisters was equally. There was clearly a jumping zeitgeist at that time. What I love <laughs> yeah. about it was that it was they were so similar in time, and they were just hopping on. People wanted to jump. Some shit was going down in the in the mid eighties about jumping. 100% because the first cut, Pointer Sisters, 1983. Second cut, Van Halen, 1984. I think um, the, the that last jump was like 89. Chris Cross. 92. Yeah, 92. Chris Cross. 92. Chris Cross will Cross. make you jump. I was graduating jump. high school, and I was jump jumping to Chris Cross. Totally. The <laughs> that The name of that album is totally crossed out. Absolutely. By the way. Yep. Well, and, 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 and Pointer backwards. Sisters Jump, from what I understand, is probably like, because Van Halen Jump is like New Year's of 83. Like, it's like six months later. Like, there is a six-month jump And they were geist. both huge hits. Huge hits. I love that. All right, Jeffy, you grab that one. Who wants to yeah. go next? Um, uh, Kevin? Why I, you can, next? I can go next. Um, mine I picked, you know, it is, uh, is a one-name title. But they came out relatively close to each other, you know, within two years of each other. And the reason I picked it is because this singular title could not be describing more different sounding pieces of music and naturally That's great. But also let's stipulate that that the one word title is the low hanging fruit here. I'm going to challenge us to bring in extra words as we go forward. But go ahead. 
Hey, hey, thanks, Adam. That was great. To see, did, <laughs> we didn't bring that no, up on my, Jeffy's my one. First, my, <laughs> my first one is a one-word title, too. No, as I went through all of these, I realized that's how you get away with it. There are not many. But my second one, trust me, it's got four words. It's four times better. But this first one Damn! is one word. <laughs> and uh, the first, well, we'll go, we'll go, I'll go in an inverse order. In 1991, the band U2 dropped this song about an emotional, oh, know uh, you know, relationship gone wrong called One. Let's hear it. Well, it's too late tonight to drag the past out into the night. We're one, but we're not the same. We get to carry each other, carry each other. All right. So similarly, the, 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 I love that album so much. Oh, we, I do we, too. We talk and about it a lot when we talk about other U two albums. That that's, one is and not only is that my favorite U two album. That's that's one of the greatest songs of all time. Another yeah, one of the greatest. Fantastic. Another one of the greatest songs of all time shares a title called One, and tonally it's very similar. It's about a man's experience losing control of his body in the middle of war. And it's from the 1988 Metallica album, And Justice for All. And it goes something like this. Darkness imprisoning me. All that I see. Absolute horror. I cannot live. I cannot die. Death of myself. Body my only fail. has taken my sight. Taken my speech. So yeah, so all I, right. What I love about that is is it's one of those songs. I mean, I learned both on guitar. I would throw up, be like, "Let's play one," and people in bands would not know which version of one I was referencing because it was such a. Both songs were very big amongst garage bands and guitar players at the time, and uh, that's probably the only time I can think of two songs that are that big and popular amongst guitar players. Well, and I would add, there's uh, the Harry Nilsson one. Which mm-hmm. Three Dog Night well, covered. Kevin, do you have and, any more there? Or, oh yeah. No, no, no. I only, did, I, only did, I only did two ones. And the reason I kept those oh. ones together was time period, wow. was, was roughly similar time period, MTV era yeah. ones. But you're right. There's a gazillion ones out there. Creed, <laughs> yeah. Alanis Morissette, Bee Gees, Ed Sheeran, etc. Anyway, Pearl Jam, and uh, I think One is the Loneliest Number is in fact titled One as well. Yeah, Really well done. And you know what? We are having such a good time here, and and this is such a rich topic, that we're going to share some of those riches with our sponsor, DBL. We'll be right back. DBL is back, and wow, we're doing doing (laughs) Jeffy's Jukebox songs that have the same title. That, but are also both, or more than both, awesome. I'm going to go next. Brian wants to wait uh, a little bit. Uh, Jeffy, I, I've got a little bit of a triptych for you. Yes. I'm going to call this two and a half great songs, two possibly three great songs. All right. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know what? They're all fantastic. Jeffy, play one. Okay, now that is Holiday by Green Day off the amazing American Idiot album. The reason I chose to do that one first is because I thought some of our listeners might not act, might not identify that right away. 
But there are more songs called Holiday, and there's two more that I thought would be worth hearing. Jeffrey, let's sample one of those. Is Holiday by Vampire Weekend off their sen- second album, Contra. I believe that Vampire Weekend uh, should have been mentioned more in this podcast to this point. They are a great band. I really do like me some, some Vampire Weekend. And now, of course, there's this one. Yeah, we didn't get to It Would Be So Nice, but that takes a long time. It turns out it takes a long time to get to It Would Be So Nice. <laughs> However, there you go. Those are my three holiday songs. Uh, no, yeah, <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a few more songs named Holiday, but those are the three that I genuinely think are great songs. Awesome. Yeah, I agree. I would agree. All three of those songs are awesome. And it's also sort of an iTunes era thing where you type in a song that you think you love, and then you're like, wait, there's like eight songs by the name of this? You didn't realize this <laughs> Absolutely. Until, until like in yeah. the last 10, 15 years. When you well, put in our thread that you were listening to all of the songs called Intro, <laughs> I was pretty impressed. <laughs> yes, Kevin yeah. did text us that this week. <laughs> it was uh, just this last week was um, Barry Gibbs' birthday. And I listened to uh, the Bee Gees' first international album called Bee Gees First. And the hit, one of the hit singles off that one is also called Holiday. And on my vinyl from 1967, there's actually a little hype sticker that says Holiday on there. It's another well, holiday. It's a hit single Holiday. Fantastic. Yeah. Brian, throw, throw, what, you throw your absolute us? favorite at us. I know you have a list of like 50, but well, give us your favorite. Okay, I didn't text Jeffy my favorite to start with, so we're not doing my favorite, but this is what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I, wow. I, Remember when I used to run this show? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Actually, I don't. I'm bringing one that I have three different genres of music. Nice. With the same song title. So it's dealer's choice for Jeffy, whichever genre he wants to start with. All right, here we go. Uh, Lady by Kenny Rogers. Yes. Yes, it is. It is definitely. And to your question of whether or not that is country, yeah, I agree. But sometimes I feel like that piano <laughs> creates a sense of dread and as if a nightmare is about to happen. <laughs> like as if like it could be called like murder. I'm going to commit the series of murders. It, it's a little bit wow. John Carpenter's Halloween. It is. Yeah. It is. Oh. <laughs> I love song. For the, you're waiting for the song to change, like in the chorus that she like murders yeah. him or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Lady, exactly. yeah. I'm running away from you <laughs> exactly, right now yeah. because it, you're a murderer. It, hey, it feels like it what, could be what's the next, theme Brian? to misery. Yes. Oh, good one. Uh, it's right, Hoblin. Yeah, Cue up our next lady, Jeffy. Here we go. Gently into your arms, you're my lady, 
when you open the door, when you open the door to sticks, there's no closing it. And they both open. They're with yeah, the song. Title. They're pretty much the same song. Like tem- like yeah. in terms of what 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 the lyrics are when the words come in. All right, and uh, one, one more. Ryan, unless you have a heart wrenching song, a heart wrenching story about why that song is important to you, I know I'm like afraid. That last I'm a, song, I'm I don't a, think I can go there. I'm afraid of making fun of any stick song around Brian Frank because who knows what could happen. For, more, for those of you who, for whom this is our first one, episode, I counsel one. you to go back to the sticks uh, episode, which was like five episodes uh, ago, where we covered. Uh, what was that? Come Sticks. Sail Away. It was um, Sticks Grand well, Illusion. Well, Come Sail Away, Grand Illusion, and Brian Frank broke all of our hearts with the story that, you know, this song now cheapens. Okay, did, did so... Did we call that episode <laughs> Sticks and Stones? I, I don't was remember. Up, I think it was a, called Picking Up Sticks. That's, that's a missed opportunity. For the record, the rest of us aren't involved in the puns of these titles. True. The rest yeah, of us being Jeffy. not Adam Felber. None of us. <laughs> All right, here we go. Last one. Last one. Yeah. Tell us what that is, Brian. So that's Lady, in parentheses, you bring me up. You bring me up. parentheses count. Right. It doesn't. Uh, from the Commodores. And again, they all three started with the word lady. Uh, I've been on a Commodores vinyl collecting kick lately, and I recently got this record. And it's one of the best album covers ever. The name of the album is In the Pocket, which I assume is a musical pun. But the cover of the album shows uh, a woman's derriere wearing a pair of jeans that has Commodores embroidered on the pocket and a photo of the Commodores in the pocket. That you know what they that was a very popular way to sell jeans back in the day, I'm told, with the with a Commodore's Wrangler. Photo. Wrangler with the Commodores in it. And the Commodores were entirely and eternally in the pocket too. That is Oh that's no, no thing. doubt. That worked on many well levels. Well two, played, two, sir. The, yeah. two lady, I mean, again, like you're saying with one there's D'Angelo Lady, there's Lenny Kravitz Lady. Like, Lady is a great, and those are both great songs. Lady is a great title yeah. for a song. Yeah. All right. So let, let's throw out a couple more, but here's the thing. I don't want to go on too long about this because we are going to have, Brian and I decided uh, earlier because we were the first two to get here, we're soon going to have a DBL bonus episode where our listeners give us their favorite songs of the same Agreed. title. Oh, so awesome. I want I want to challenge you guys to just say a couple that are interesting for a particular reason. Kind of like Kevin's well these came out one year apart kind of thing. I'll I'll, I'll throw one out e- easily. Um uh here here's one it's unprecedented. It's because both of these songs have been name checked and needle dropped on our show already. It's Hold On by Wilson Phillips, which was a guilty pleasure, mm-hmm. and Alabama Shakes. And there's a there's a bunch of hold-ons, but those two I think are interesting because we've already mentioned them both on this show and not noted their title similarity. Who's next? I have one where uh, the song title is the same, but they never say the word in the song. All right. Ooh. What's so, that? 
Here we go. And if you don't know the title, I'm not going to uh, reveal it until I play the second song, which actually the title's in the chorus. Here we go. That first one was Kings of Leon. This is The Firm. Don't be destructive. Turn me on tonight. All right. So both songs are called Radioactive. And then, of course, you can't say radioactive without playing Imagine Dragons. I'm waking up. All right, so just so our listeners know, tell us what those three songs are. That was Radioactive by Kings of Leon from Come Around Sundown. Radioactive by The Firm from The Firm. (laughs) And Radioactive by Imagine Dragons from... Night visions. Were you? Were you the movie? All good songs. Were you the movie phone guy? Just let me know if you were the movie phone guy because I was wondering what happened to him. If you, if you know the name of the movie you'd like to see, <laughs> press one. Uh, I, All right, I, let's, you know what? Let's I continue. In, I want to come in here. Can... I have a bit. Mine is something I've thought about for years, and I only play one of the two. <laughs> I only play one of the two because because one is so obviously well known and the other one is known by nobody but um <laughs> you know in 19 what is it 75 74 you may have to correct me on this um Brian but uh uh wish you were here pink floyd put out wish you were here the album right massively 75, 75. massively successful song and album hugely successful one year later in probably a drunken decision Alice Cooper released a single off of his album Goes to Hell called Wish You Were Here that he performed on TV in an attempt to maybe hop on the Wish You Were Here zeitgeist. And uh, and I always wanted to be in a band and be like, all right, next song we're playing is Wish You Were Here and then play this song, which sounds like an excerpt from the soundtrack to Chips that Alice Cooper performed called Wish You Were Here. Can we start that about 30 seconds in, Jeffy? All right, well, let's move on. Brian Frank, you want to bring us home with with you have you have one that's complex. I, I fear. No, no, I just want to give it an honorary an honorary mention. Uh, and okay. I've thought about this prior to this being a topic. I believe, and I want our listeners to correct me if I am wrong, that Neil Young has the most song titles that are in common with other song titles. Of of his own or wow, other people? No, of others. Of other oh, interesting, interesting. I think I and and I did a little research online. There's one guy I saw who came up with I think a hundred and twenty something 
Neil Young song titles that are other people's song titles as well. Neil Young even had a song. We made a joke about it in one episode. He had a song called Born to Run, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was it? I believe somebody was after. Because I love the idea that he's like, this is a great title. I'm just going to steal That is a title. great title. No. I'm going to use so, that. Yeah, ironically, it was made around the same time as Bruce Springsteen, and Neil didn't release his because Bruce Springsteen oh. came out with his. So then it was released much later in like an archival release. But he has a song, Big Time, Peter Gabriel, Big yeah. Time, on and on and on. There's literally like a thousand. I thought some of Tonight's the Night, Rod Stewart. But, but I was you know, thinking there's, you guys there's a young blood. Cinnamon Girl. By Prince. Right? Cinnamon Girl by Prince. And he obviously, but Prince Prince followed up Cinnamon Girl in yeah. that case. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to say that there's a young blood named Ellie Goulding who seems to be, you know, if she, if her career is as long as Neil Young, she might catch up. Because it seemed like every time I searched a song this week on Google or iTunes looking, looking for it, there was also a song by that title by Ellie Goulding. Interesting. That's also a good uncanny. trick. It's a good trick, sir, coming out with uh, with songs just named after famous songs. And maybe, Absolutely. like you guys were saying, in the streaming era, you might get some accidental listens. I'm going to write a song fans. called Stairway to Heaven. I was just going to say. Smart. <laughs> <laughs> Stairway to Heaven. Brian, do you have any others that you want to name check before we go? Or is or is that, or will, will we leave it to our listeners? I want to leave it to the listeners. I've got a very long list. If anyone cares, hit us up on tadbandland at gmail.com. <laughs> That's fantastic. I want to give honorable mention to the one that I was going to bring tonight when it turned out an article got in my way. I wanted to bring Thin Lizzy's Boys Are Back in Town and Bus Boy's Boys Are Back in Town because nice. that seems very <laughs> unlikely. However, Thin Lizzy added a the to their title. So it's not a, it doesn't count. No. An no. asterisk. We are, we are uh, same title I, thing. You know, as the Good arbiter rules. of what is allowable in Jeffy's jukebox, I say that's okay. Hey! All right. Unprecedented. All allowed. <laughs> all right. <laughs> fantastic. And I will allow you all to take a breather and hear about these fantastic products. Dad Bandland will be right back. DBL. DBL is back. DBL. Oh, we are having fun tonight in the 100 degree heat, everybody. Um, charts. Is it a, is it a solid honey where you are, Brian? I know you're up on the hill where Tom Petty used to live. Yeah, it's 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 warm for us. Hold on, that, bad, let's back, but, back this up. Yeah. Back this up. Is it a yeah. solid honey? What is this talk? Who? What do you, <laughs> are, you are, are you on the internet too much? Uh, Who says that? I, I, How I old are you now, Kevin? Right <laughs> that's, that's what all us kids are saying. Is it a solid honey? Solid honey. I'm not sure. Yeah, Again, yeah. I'm reporting you to uh, HR. Yeah. I mean, hundred degrees. Just responded it. without I mean, even. Totally yeah, because yeah, you and I are <laughs> like, forever yeah, that's young. A, that's why I had to back it wow. up. I was like, Brian's just gonna take that a solid honey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As if that's right. something that people bandy about all the time. <laughs> you know, you know what the worst thing about this heat wave is, though, that our car just overheated. Oh man. And, and that's what happens when you hit those solid honeys day after day. <laughs> oh, and when I say car, I mean bus. Because we were all playing on this men's volleyball team traveling from town to town. <laughs> and we all decided to split up and try to find help. But, right. but when, when, when Jeffy, when you and me and Kevin got back to the bus, everybody else on the bus was butchered into tiny that's pieces. That's right. Yep, oh, man. And the engine is missing. Yep. Okay. Where's the problem? Well, now we have to go into one direction that the three of us didn't go west. One direction. And, yep. 
and, and going One Direction West, there's a house. You know what's weird about this One Direction West is the trail of bloody footsteps leads directly to this house from the bus. Yeah. It's so, should we go in? It seems inviting. Uh, it's, yeah. It's got to be coincidence. Let's just, coincidence, so let's go in. We don't know that's blood. Let's go in. <laughs> hey! It's not human blood. <laughs> Who lives here? <laughs> Hello, sir. <laughs> Hi, are you guys into uh, volleyball and records? Oh, I gotta go. <laughs> we are, and we're happy well, to be at... That's funny you say that. <laughs> and we're happy to be here at... Interesting name you've got for your house, sir. Uh, do you want to play volleyball or talk about records? Well, I just uh, have to replace a couple of these spark plugs, and then I'll be happy to uh, to oblige. That is awful. Watch that my was hands. What happened? Yes. <laughs> All right, me, Brian uh, get Frank. Get this bottle of bleach and wash my hands. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> just help me get this couch into my van. What do you got for us in House of Wax this week? I love with so, it, where uh, this is going. Yeah, uh, tonight's uh, House of Wax uh, is Steely Dan's sixth album. Asia, which was originally released on September 23rd, 1977, to make it uh, 45 years around the time of this recording. Um, I'm really excited to talk about this one with you guys. Uh, I don't have a ton of wax facts. I'm more interested in the discussion. Wax opinions. Exactly. Limited wax facts. Yes. Um, so... Uh, my limited wax facts are uh, th- this record was uh, recorded at a number of studios in Los Angeles. Um, let's see, four of them, two studios in New York with over 40 different musicians. And so this marked a stage. So Steely Dan was a band that was originally just your typical band, right? They had, you know, a couple guys in a band. They play live concerts and you know, had a, a core fan base and a, and a core uh, band. And as they progressed uh, in their music, they... Uh, uh, hold on. Uh, Jeffy, we're hearing that. Yeah, I know. It was intentional. He's trying to oh, okay. give me a, a bed here. Oh, so, oh I see. Uh, Go on. Music bed. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway... <laughs> you're just rolling that you like solid talker. honey, too. You're just totally yeah. fine with whatever they fucking do. Listen, whatever they're throwing at me, I just... <laughs> I don't even pay attention anymore. Um, so, uh, so as they as they progressed in their musical composition and uh, concepting of music, they started to become more like a jazz band. And in the studio, they considered using essentially the best musicians for the part. And there are numerous stories about this. Uh, you know, how they did 100 takes of this song or they had 20 different guitar players play this and pick the right one. This record had 40 different musicians. I'll name a few because you might know yep. some of these names. Wayne Shorter, right? I've heard of him. Uh, Steve Gadd, legendary drummer, Chuck Rainey. Timothy B. Schmidt from Eagles singing backup. Michael McDonald singing backup. Uh Bernard Purdy on the drums, Jim Keltner on the drums, Lee Rittenauer on guitar, Steve Kahn, Ed Green, some of the biggest and best names. And they took their time to make this, in their minds, the best album it could be and and the most perfect sonic album that they could come up with. 
Uh, and the album actually won the Grammy for the best engineered recording, non-classical. That is a, a category uh, because of that pristine sound. And it is... It's unbelievable, the sound. It, it's... Yeah, we'll talk about that. I have some comments. And, uh, and it, was, it has been inducted into the Library of Congress United States National Recording Registry. Uh, after they made this record, they went looking for a manager... Uh, and they signed up with Irv Azoff, who is one of the most legendary managers in music history. And maybe not coincidentally, this was their biggest commercial success. The album was the fastest selling they ever had. It hit number three in America and number five in the UK. And I found this interesting. This is one of the first uh, platinum albums, first certified platinum wow. records in music history. Um it's only wow, seven there were songs. Only gold albums up I to thought, a certain point. What's, what's that? You just made me realize there were only gold albums up to a certain point. There you go. Never uh, thought about that. And uh, seven songs, so I thought Kevin might appreciate that. <laughs> <There's>, Totaling yeah. <laughs> thirty-nine I, minutes and forty minutes. minutes. The right length. Forty minutes the in right and length. out. Yep. Yeah. And, I, I can't um, wait to frame Kevin's response, but go on. Any yeah, other wax and, uh, <laughs> Yeah, and this and uh, Gaucho, which was essentially their last album, they, they took a hiatus for 20 years, uh, are very similar to one another and different from their previous albums, at least in my opinion. Um, the last comment I want to make about this Fact. is I, like many, knew some of these songs before I knew what they were and uh, knew it was Steely Dan because... It was heavily sampled, uh, and there are many samples of different songs from many things, but two or three highlights for me are uh, Black Cow, the opener of this record, is from uh, was sampled and is basically the song of Deja Vu, or as everyone knows it much better, Uptown Baby by Lord Tariq and Peter Guns from <coughs> 1997. If you were in New York in 1997, you could not escape that song and it was so amazing to have that groove and then the first time i ever heard steely dan was actually peg uh and de la souls i know uh <laughs> it's the first i ever heard that so uh it's it's kind of a funny story that this these two weird guys who had this weird jazz rock kind of thing <laughs> became favorites in the uh, hip-hop sampling world oh one other one i just wanted to, to bring up another sample of black cow is there's a song called cutting rhythms by tone loke that uh just the baseline <laughs> just the baseline is in that and i have to give the shout out to tone loke because a couple couple of years ago uh laura and i were hiking runyon canyon which is near our house and um we saw this guy uh, he couldn't stand up. He was having some kind of problem, some kind of seizure. And his friend was trying to help him. And like literally nobody was fucking helping these guys as we were walking down the trail. So we came up and we helped this guy and his friend. We helped his friend get this guy to his car and, you know, get him comfortable and, you know, help these guys out. The guy who had the seizure was Tone Loke. Oh, wow. And, uh, wow. He's okay. Yeah. Apparently he's he has had some medical problems with seizures. I I found that out later. But... Uh, his friend was very appreciative, and, and we got him okay, and he's totally fine and totally okay. But that was my run-in with Tone Loke, who sampled the bass line of Black Cow and Cutting Rhythms. Okay. 
Brian, that was really well done, and I like that you uh, kind of obeyed the unspoken dictate that we don't give our opinions of this album yet, because we have this we have this amazing resource in Kevin Burke for whom he's never heard this album, <laughs> yeah. never seen the cover, and uh, has no love for Steely Dan. I, I, I want to frame this by saying, um, when Maybe I was delivering Tennessee as a 12-year-old listening to American Top 40, <laughs> I was aware of Steely Dan in that... Uh, or maybe I was 10. I was aware of Steely Dan in that, like, that was one of the songs in the top 40. Like, I knew Peg. Right. Hmm. You were well, aware of Steely Dan, like, you but were didn't aware come of around, But didn't come around to, like, actually listening to this album until something like 12 years later in college. And 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 that, that, that was my familiarity with it. However, it's been part of my life, for one reason or another, ever since. It shocked me that Kevin Burke... <laughs> Is coming well, to this look. only from the point of view of somebody who like had you know sort of like distant disdain for Steely Dan, and with that, Kevin Burke, I want to give you the floor. You know what? I, and let me take the floor here because I have a little bit of a story with this. But um, oh, you know, I was only familiar with Steely Dan really with like the stuff that plays on classic rock radio, like reeling in the years and these songs that I've just had learned to hate early and never learned to what? love. And what do you um, mean learned to hate early in my life? I learned to hate early Every- in my life. <laughs> Everybody hates Steely Dan. It, 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 it's kind of, if you don't love Steely Dan, there's so much hate out there. I remember in college when I was told, like, dude, you have to listen to this album. I was like, really, I'm doing this now? Yeah. I'm listening to this album? Well, that's, but I'm not, me, I'm not me, venturing an opinion. Well, I want to hear yours. Let me, first of all, let me just put it in, in some sort of context, because I, I did not get into contemporary music till you know, 84-ish. And I don't know if people seem to understand just how dead Steely Dan was. Like, there, there was not... Where was I going to get into this at that time? Meaning, <laughs> like, it's it was not on pop radio. It was not on MTV for certain. It had not made it to classic rock radio. I didn't have any friends who were, like, 50, so I, they weren't playing this for me. <laughs> this, yeah. had, this had gone to, like, soft rock, easy listening by the time I got in the music. So it was gone. It was out of, unless, but, I mean, unless It's I, very similar for me. I mean, I, I, I ignored them because I don't think I was really you know, into modern music until the 80s. Well, and so, so figuring out how you get, but you were familiar with, you know, these songs. Part of the reason I'd never American heard- American Top 40. Yeah, part of the reasons I'd never heard these songs is I was not listening to American Top 40 when they were hits. So I put this album on. I was actually driving to, to a surf lesson with with friends, Michael and Rachel, and they love Steely Dan, right? And they're, they're a little bit older, okay but not my mind. use their you know, names? Just a couple years. And we Did got in the car, and I'm, I'm like, I'm playing Asia by Steely Dan. You're in luck. And they both are like, this is the greatest album of all time. Is what they told me before before I started <laughs> playing this. And I'm like, oh, shit. Because not only is that reveal, they've never heard Megadeth Rust in Peace, which is obviously <laughs> the greatest album ever made. This, I was I was like, how, how did you get into Steely Dan? I like, asked that question. Like, how did you get into this? And Rachel said, some guy she dated in college was obsessed with Steely Dan, which yeah. which to me sounds like a red fucking flag, right? If you meet some dude who's obsessed with Steely Dan in the 90s, yeah. but yeah. I don't know. I mean, they could not have been less cool, and then something started happening. Something started happening, which I think when Beck started showing up and these people who appreciated these things started to change the Steely Dan yeah. perception I mean, of, of the eventually band. Eventually you turn the, mach- the pinball machine over, and... What was old is new again. Right. And, and I think I, that's and Steely Dan. And I do Dan. think Steely Dan did it to themselves to some extent. Like, they just weren't around, and they had fully immersed, you know, like, the, I, <clears throat> I love the guys in Steely Dan because they're so 
like dry. I've always enjoyed reading interviews, but when I'm not listening to the records, because I always found them entertaining, but they weren't they weren't exactly showing up on you know popular events to promote so the work of Steely even, Dan. So you even read interviews with the guys from Steely Dan. I know you love the album Donald Fagan's The Nightfly. I do. And yet you had never thought to go back to what people think of as Steely Dan's best album. Exactly. That is exactly correct. And now I, <laughs> I, I got into Nightfly. Let me. I, I did not get into Nightfly until 2017. And let me be clear, it was an extremely, it was an extremely busy and stressful time for me. So I was, I was like the prime audience. I was like a middle-aged man trying to lower my blood pressure. Like Nightfly was yeah. exactly the record I needed. So anyway, I put on Asia, and once I wrapped my head around this, once I wrapped my head that this was going to be <laughs> this kind of music, the kind of music I don't... It was going to be that smooth. It was going to be yeah. that smooth. I, I really learned I really learned to love it. I mean, it it, it reminded me of, you know, of, of like late 70s, early 80s mall culture, you know, or like I was a playwright in New York mm -hmm. at a time. Like, it was so smooth. Like, my, pro my productivity went up. Do you know what I mean? My whole sense of... I put it on once I got in the car, and I'm like... Your you know sense what? of self. I'm like, I'm gonna get some shit done today, and this is that's what this is. This is getting things done. Music. This is music you put on while you're doing stuff. And I have to say, I totally, I totally learned to love it. I thought I listened to it one time for this podcast. I've come around. What it did remind me of, like I said, was Beck a little bit. It reminded me yep. of like a less abrasive Frank Zappa. Like if someone took Frank Zappa and was like. And like childproof Frank Zappa, it made it like totally. There's no, there's no, no outlets that are you can expose yourself to. There's nothing shocking, and then I came, I totally came around to it. But I have to ask a question because again, I don't know the reasons people love this band. Sometimes they're musicians. I like, I think I like this because it was smooth and schmaltzy and 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 great, but also maybe not great. And I felt like the lyrics were doing the same thing, like they were ironically enjoying it but also kind of well aware that this music was being schmaltzy. You know, like there was a sense that it wasn't taken completely sincerely by, by the members of Steely Dan, which I found appealing. It gave me a way in. Oh, here comes Summer Peg. I gotta say, this album got me through the heat wave this week. I had not, I had not revisited the album in its entirety in in well over a decade, maybe two. And man, I didn't realize how much I missed it, or how much I probably should have spent some time with it. But I don't want to go into my experience of it yet. Um, Kevin, are there any standout cuts or things you want to say about the album before? I yeah, I, did. To, I mean, I, uh, I definitely. I definitely, top to bottom, again, Brian was dead right. I saw the length and thought, I can do this. This is the right length for an hour. 40, 40 minutes I can is perfect. This. Asia the Song. Asia the Song was the song that, that won me over. Do you know what I mean? I like Black Cow, mm. and, it was, and it was great, but I was like, I'm not sure I'm going to go with this. Asia took me to so many different places musically. I found it intriguing. Yeah. It was, it's a long song, completely on Isn't board Isn't it with the it. one with Wayne Shorter on it? Mm -hmm. I don't. I, I yeah. Actively, Wayne Shorter saxophone is unbelievable on that. I actively try not to look who played on this because I would like to believe that it just exists. But can can, can we skip ahead to the Wayne Shorter solo because I was thinking of highlighting this anyway.
Now that is a great drummer and probably the preeminent uh, fusion uh, saxophone is Wayne Shorter, who started with Miles Davis, I believe, on Bitches Brew, maybe a couple albums before. Just crazily tearing it up. No members of Steely Dan, I think, are playing at that moment. Well, um, it's I do, I do wonder that, too. There are times where I wonder if Steely Dan are just, just two dudes who just know how to hire better dudes to do stuff. <laughs> so wow. that is, uh, that is Steve Gavin on the drums. And, mm. uh, and so, of course, you know, Fagan is playing the piano and, and singing, and Walter Becker does play some guitars on that, and Denny Diaz, who was in the band originally, play some guitars on that. But no, Kevin, you make a really great point. There are a couple of songs that Walter Becker doesn't appear on at all. Uh, he doesn't appear on, on Black Cow uh, at all. And uh, <laughs> So, I mean, uh, and, so it matters yeah, to have it, friends it, that are it, it the was, leader of the band, I suppose. And, uh, and Peg, he doesn't play on Peg. Either. He doesn't play on Peg at all? You know what? You know what? I'm a Fagan fan. I'm not sure that I'm a Steely Dan fan anymore. I like Fagan. Uh, well, let, let, let's Fagan. continue this on. I want to throw it over. I want to throw it over Jeffy, but I, I do want to um, say I have a good friend who will appear on this podcast at some point. He's a, a former Conan writer named Andre Duboucher, who's a fantastic comic. For years, he's he'd been saying Steely Dan sounds like music made for robots by other robots. I would agree. And. And a couple years later, he became a huge fan of Steely Dan. Yeah, um, I mean, I, that's does that's, that mean he's they a grab robot? you? It it is it. Despite my best intentions to not enjoy this, I love this record. I would just say this: well, I <laughs> I fought it so, and it won me. We discussed a topic whenever that was last week, the other week about we were talking about artists that we didn't like and then we ended up liking. Just like Kevin, I was not exposed to this. Didn't know about this. Heard it in hip hop samples. Didn't want to know about actively, this. Uh, yeah, and actively derided them just because uh, that was uh, like the thing to do. And that's then, what you did. You derided yeah, Steely Dan. And then I had a, <laughs> yeah. a friend, uh, a friend of mine in high school. Um, we were doing a lot of drugs, and he was a big Steely Dan fan. And he was like, "Dude, you Red gotta flag. get into this." Red flag. Get out and, of there. <laughs> You got to get into this. And he just completely turned my opinion around. And so oh. I was one of those weirdos like, Kevin, you mentioned <laughs> who's who's some guy in college in the 90s obsessed with Steely Dan? How about you? It was this you. guy. Yeah. And again, I, I love that. Maybe, how that happened? And maybe that's red flag. I do love that the, the new warning for drugs is that it can get you into Steely Dan, I think, is part of the oh, part it could. Of Absolutely. Absolutely, that's kids. part of the tale. That's, that's I knew, the Walter I knew a guy part. who did drugs, and they got into stealing yeah, Dan. <laughs> exactly. Here's something fantastic about this album, is that several of the songs, I think most of them, are credited not to Steely Dan, but to Steely Dan and Tom Scott. He's a I sax, noticed that, he's a too. Jazz sax, yeah. He's a jazz saxophonist, and he is... Quincy Jones was the first guy to tell the world that they needed to pay attention to Tom Scott. Um, and he played saxophone and that electronic I'm, version of a saxophone and arranged all the horns. Here's a fun wax fact. So wax Jeffy and I both know Tom Scott, and 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 I did not realize that he was that guy. So next yeah, time I, I see him, either. I have to ask wow. him about did not know that. this doing this album. I would like to. But, know, but let me. But 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 but, <laughs> but let me let me just use that as an entree to say, Jeffy. I know I we and I you and I never talked about this album, but I know you love it. Just because yeah. I know you, what was your reaction to having this Heat Wave Week with Asia? 
It was relaxing. <laughs> it was refreshing. Um, you know, uh, this is an album. I knew the hits, you know, every, you know, Peg and Deacon Blues and Josie. Well, you know, no one's seeing Kevin's air quotes when I said <laughs> hits, but I will pass that along. Um, <clears throat> But, uh, you know, one of the things about this album, it is sort of legendarily recorded well and is used by people who are familiar with it, you know, to <laughs> demo. Test their audio system. No, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, demo well, new stuff. It's right? also like, a famous thing for sound guys. No, it, right. people that, love this that, thing. Yes. As a PA systems, uh, as a former audio sound guy, I was familiar with the name. I just never heard it. I just never looked at it. Yeah. Right. Nightfly was definitely one that I appreciated on that level. But again, that was a long time ago. There, there have been a yeah. lot of things since that have been engineers' favorite things. I'm just saying, this is from a time that won't be duplicated again, and like. As an artifact of its time, it's a spectacularly engineered album from the late 70s. And there's just not 50 albums that you could say that about, you know? I have a question along those lines that maybe there's a wax fax for, because I know Nightfly wax was fax. a digital recording. Do you know, was this entirely analog? I believe it was. Nightfly nowadays sounds very digi. And this one sounds super warm and super analog. I would not accept um, Nightfly, this Nightfly uh, slander on my timeline. I'm not slandering. I'm just saying it sounds, you know, it is digital and it sounds like that. But, you know you um, can't let, leave let's, this Let's get to some line. of the individual songs because, like, I spent this week, you know, beating the heat and bathing in this album, kind of in a way I never did before. And, Brian, I know you love this album, right? I do, but I'll also say this is not necessarily my Dan go-to. To be honest, pretzel logic. What, what's your Dan uh, go to? Yeah, well, you know that that's the thing is I am a big Katie lied. <laughs> these are all Let's hear it. up there. Yes, pretzel I know logic. these because I because I know Kate, yeah. fans. I mean, that's the thing is like the that era. Like the first record is great, but different. They had a an extra singer, and it's got a couple of the hits. But that countdown to ecstasy through Royal Scam is like that's my go to. And I think the reason why is to put on Asia or to put on Gaucho is more of a commitment, right? You're listening to an album and it's not just the songs. But then every time I put it on, I'm like, I should be listening to this more because in my mind, I perceive <laughs> it as more of a jazz album. But then, like you said, it's got hits. Black Cow, Deacon Blues, Peg, Josie, those are four, like, five minute or less songs that are hit song, you know, catchy tunes. So, and that's like half the record right there. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. But just and, psychologically, and it feels, it feels heavier. Like you have to appreciate this because it's so well engineered and so fucking perfect. <laughs> you're, you're bitter about <laughs> right? Asia's perfection. Yeah. yeah. You know? No, Asia's perfection is what both attracts and repels you. Although, there you, go. you know what? Perfection this week, while the temperature was a hundred degrees every day, was exactly what I needed. I needed that just kind of warm, enveloping feel uh, of this. And I, I do want to say two things about, like specifically about it. Number one, there, there, 
they're thought of as maybe the least hip band in history, <laughs> but you listen to what they're talking about, and, you know, the the opening of the album is Black Cow, and that is a just... Those are groovy guys in New York talking about their, their drug-addled and alcohol-addled girlfriends. Get out of here. And... If you've li- if you haven't lived in New York, you might miss that in the first line. You know, on the corner, something, something. Uh, I saw you at Rudy's. You were very high. Do you guys know what Rudy's is? It's a legendary bar. I think it's on Eighth Avenue, maybe Ninth. Don't don't quote me. I've been there a thousand times. It's been there since I think the forties. It is. It, it has a ceramic or plastic now pig out front. It ha- It gives away free hot dogs, so everybody goes there and for the last 50 years, been known as the best jukebox in New York. So if well, she's, well, I she's that was at Jeffy's the bar at Rudy's box. lining up her pills and phone numbers, that's about, that's just perfect for a New Yorker. And then she goes down to Green Street in the village. I have to say... I'm getting yeah. blank looks no, 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 from no, no. all these non-New well, Yorkers. I, no, the New York <laughs> aspect of it is not there, but to your point, the lyrics, the lyrics being, you know about drunk driving and ending your life, right? And that sort of stuff, like, have this biting quality to it that you don't expect in the smoothed-out jazz quality. And if, if I, Exactly. And if I, could have one, if I could add one more thing, part of why I've read interviews with them and I like them as people but never was interested in this band was that I felt this their, their history of 40 different musicians and 20 takes and replacing guitar players over and over seemed to me, to be the exact opposite of why I love music, which was the emotional, exactly. the emotional immediacy of that, you know, of like, let's grab one person who can do it well and capture an incredible moment in time that's pure emotion. That being said, 40 years later, nothing we've recorded is pure emotion anymore. It is all just how it relates on the record to us. Well, and except this, this still podcast. plays strong. Yeah, I agree. And- Adam, I, what I love about them is the New York versus L.A. thing in the lyrics yes. and in the lifestyle. And just so you said, Kevin, about, you know, drunk driving, like, you know, they're not necessarily this album, but, you know, talking about driving on Sunset and cocaine and Cuervo. And, you know, there's such an L.A. thing, too. They're, they've moved to L.A. They're making fun of L.A., but yet that is their life in L.A. And then same thing. They're commenting on New York, and that is their life in New York. I love that. Maybe that's why I responded so hard this week, because I'm a New York guy who moved to L.A. and became middle-aged. This might have been the perfect week for me to hear Asia again. <laughs> Can I, and I, let me, let me add to that. Let me, let me add a theme to that, because next week's record is about a band from Birmingham who is sent to LA uh-huh. and what happens when this this drunken drug-addled band from Birmingham moves to Los Angeles and how that turns out. This there is a common I theme between wait. Asia and Black Sabbath <laughs> volume 4. I didn't That's know this true. till right now. Well, and I think they Fantastic. both uh, they both thank the Coca-Cola company. In their, uh, <laughs> I think that's notes. absolutely right. That's very nice. I want to lay a quote on our listeners that I laid on you guys during the week because I love this cuz like as as Brian said, uh, this Peg was sampled on De La Soul's d- amazing debut album three feet high and rising and not only is that an epic album that that album was recorded on and written on long island where i grew up at exactly the same time that i was growing up this is what uh de la soul's pasta noose has to say about why they sampled peg here it is quote when me and dave worked in the mall 
we would just hear songs playing in the loudspeakers. They would always play Steely Dan's Peg, and we were, even then, aspiring to be a group, and we were like, yo, that could be a dope song to use. So when it came about time to use it, we took that part, I Know I Love You Better, and we took the Leo Dorsey beat, we used the horns from another Mad Lads record, and that was it. It was fun. And so before we salute... Um, and so before we salute Asia uh, for the last time, Jeffy, could you conjure up some of I Know by De La Soul? Greetings, girl, and welcome to my world of phrasing right up to back. It's the daisy age, and you're about to walk top stage, so wipe your lottoes on the mat. Hip-hop love this is, and don't mind when I quiz your involvements before the sun. But clear your court, cause this a one-man sport, and who's better for this than plug one? Plug don't one. have to worry about me squashing other deals, cause they... Oh, yeah. Look, if you're dying in this uh, post-apocalyptic heat right now... You could do worse than Asia by Steely Dan. <laughs> Dead Man Land will be right back. DBL. DBL. And we are back with Woo! DBL. I look, if I have to experience the heat dome that is gonna kill Southern California, I'm happy to be doing it with you guys. Oh, that's the nicest thing you've ever yeah, said to come us. On. This is um, so nice. We're I gonna die. We're gonna die together. I die with you. I <laughs> melt with you. To <laughs> <Steely Dan. laughs> yes. I melt with you. Well, listening to Steely Dan. Hey, it's time for that segment that is either our first or second favorite end of the show segment. It's hidden treasures, <laughs> one everybody. One of the two <laughs> options. You know what? It is definitely one of my favorite segments of the show. Absolutely. And this is these are songs that, like, maybe they should have been hits. They're songs that people might not know that we are bringing to each other and to our listeners as gifts. And by the way, thank thank you to everybody who's sending us Hidden Treasures. They are fantastic, and we're going to have yet another Hidden Treasures special episode sometime soon. But let's kick this one off with Kevin Burke. Kevin, what's your Hidden Treasure this week? All right, so this week, because I immersed myself in Steely Dan and I could just feel my body entering a level of smoothness I didn't think capable of, I had to... I had to get a defibrillator and just sort of pump myself back up to remind myself why I'm alive. And so I pulled out this kind of unknown gem from 2012, and this is the cover of Queen's Dragon Attack, the Queen song Dragon Attack by Testament. Damn. Wow. <laughs> there you go. Dragon Attack. Honestly. My testament. That might be Queen's most aggressive song. It's such a surprise. I, I think it's on the game, It's isn't on it? the game, and, I mean, it's not Stone Cold Crazy, and the version on it is a little, like, kind of, you know, laid back and a little sleazier sounding. Testament just took it straight up, snare on all four beats, and it is fucking great. Love yeah, it. What was year was fantastic. that? That was 2012. That's recent. That's recent Testament. Oh, my God. Yes. I love that. Oh my lord! Uh, <laughs> well, I kind of want to hear the breakdown section. Yeah, no, so no. I mean, I want to play it all again. I mean, if you want to hear it again, 
You should go find it because it's fucking awesome. All right. You know what? I'm going to stay. Uh, I'm going to take us back 10 years before that or so. That was That's 2012? Right. Yes, that release. Let's go to 2002 where a band that had been very popular in the 90s had started to disappear. I, I doubt any of you will know this song. It's about um, Sammy the Bull Gravano, maybe one of the best songs ever written about a mobster. And it actually starts with... Uh, some actual audio of Sammy testifying. He uh, he flipped on the mob and moved to Arizona and uh, under FBI protection and then started selling drugs underneath that. This is a story song, so it shouldn't be cool at all. Uh, however, please enjoy the mighty, mighty boss tones, Mr. Moran. See, Mr. Moran, that's who I am. Some call me Sam, some call me Sam. I eat punks like you for breakfast. You're just a bowl of cereal to me. That is Mr. Moran. That song is badass all the way through, and I don't think anybody's ever heard it. Have I've you guys never, heard it? I've never heard never that. Heard no. Were you, um, were you holding on to Monty Mighty Boss Tones at that time? Like, How did you come across this? Mm. Absolutely holding on to them. They were a perfectly respectable ska band. I, I loved uh, Dickie Barrett's sound. I loved uh, their, their couple of hits from the 90s. And although their albums after this one, Jackknife to a Swan, were not perhaps as strong, this one's a really strong album that just happened to be ignored and thus is a hidden treasure. Copy that. Nice. All well, right. Good, sir. <laughs> Moving on. Brian Frank, what do you got for us? So I have a song that was released uh, one month before Steely Dan's Asia. Uh, let's just play it and see if anyone can guess what the hell this is, and then I will All right. explain what <laughs> the hell this is. Great. <laughs> Love it. That's quiz. That's going to be a tough uh, identify for me. I know. There's kind of a Joe Walshy thing happening there, so I'm going to guess James Gang, maybe? I'm going to guess uh, Leaf Garrett's solo album. <laughs> or <laughs> Latter-day Beach Boys? So that is Pacific <laughs> Ocean Blues, <laughs> which is from Dennis Wilson's one and only ever released solo album called Pacific mm. Ocean Blue. Uh, it was co-written wow. with Mike Love. It was rejected by the Beach Boys for their album from the previous year. And uh, the album was named after it, Pacific Ocean oh. Blue. It's a rocker of a song. It's a great record. And uh, that was like the hit uh, off that record. And uh, Dennis Wilson said it's his least favorite song on the album, of course. <laughs> wow. And how, well, I and like how it. Long, and that's good. How much longer before he dies? Uh, like yeah, weeks? When did he Months? die? What, what? That's a great question. Wow. Um, he died. <laughs> I think it was on the third verse. He died in 83. <laughs> had some time. There you go. Well, that was delightful. I really enjoyed that. And it was a little funkier than I would have suspected from the uh, artist in question. Hey, speaking of funkier, Jeffy, <laughs> I have no idea what your song is. So I don't know if it is funkier. <laughs> Take us home with your hidden treasure. Uh, this is a song I actually mentioned last week and kind of thought, oh, you know what? 
I want to give this song more of a push. So, um, it's a song by everything but the girl. Uh, one of the things that uh, sort of introduced me to drum and bass back in the day. This is a song from 1996. And it's from the Red Hot and Rio album. It's called Corcovado. Wow, electronic bossa nova. I can see yeah, exactly yeah. why that is your sweet spot. Very appealing to me. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. When I uh, when I worked at Atlantic Records, we uh, we released their second album, Walking Wounded, oh, yeah. which I'm sure Jeffy, you're a very fan much of. so, and that was awesome. And and like you, that was for me a, a big moment in terms of drum and bass and electronic music of that era. Yeah, yeah. That was that fantastic. Was that and was you know what else is fantastic? You, our listeners. Oh, my God. This was a really, really fun episode of, uh, of, well, you know of Dad Band Land. I have to say that we do, we don't have Kyle McGraw, which say. is why if this sounds like a train wreck. There's no crown. You, it's crown. You, yeah, he, there's no crown because crown, Kyle's so not I'm, here. I'm just giving myself a crown. Fuck, Kevin. That was a great testament song you picked. Holy <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, I gave it to me. Awesome. I gave I myself the crown. Too late. I gave it to me. Oh, yep. Oh, crown. Yes. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> the crown of fame thanks goes to everybody. Kevin. Who thanks, thanks Kevin, for giving me the crown. Nice, Kevin. Great song. <laughs> All right, everybody. Hit us up on our socials. Send your questions, comments, and your own cover band experiences to dadbandland at gmail.com. Unless it gets 10 degrees hotter, we'll be here. Hey, follow us, us on the socials. It's hard, guys. Dad Badland is produced by me and Jeffy Brandon. Opening music montage by Jeffy. Opening music montage by Kyle. Editing and Starburns production by Kyle McGraw. Our theme song is by Adam Korn. And DBL, God willing and heat willing, will be back in the studio. We'll talk about that more next week. Next week, Black Sabbath number four. <laughs> Volume four, Jesus Christ. Volume 18. <laughs> DBL! DBL! All right. Starbands Avenue, a podcast network.